Hello and welcome to another episode of Embodiment. This podcast is a place for those in the pursuit of creating a life that is the true medicine by essence, where how we choose to commune with ourselves, community, nature, and spirit reflects our state of health and well-being. The goal of this podcast is to give the power of healing back to you and empower you to create meaningful change in your life so that living healthfully and vibrantly is your natural state. We'll explore topics from Eastern and Western medicine, spirituality, quantum physics, to personal growth, food, food systems, and so much more. Some shows will be me sharing my experiences, while others will be interviews from experts, thought leaders, teachers, and more. And before we get into today's episode, please, wherever you listen to the podcast, one way you can support the podcast is by leaving a five-star review and a written review. It's so helpful. And be sure to like and subscribe to never miss an episode. You can also find me on my website at kaylaringdacm.com or on my Instagram at Ring. Now let's dive in. Welcome to another episode of Embodiment. I am your host, Dr. Kayla Ring, and today I have with me another one of my dearest friends, Devin Ulner, who is a certified holistic holistic nutritionist and coach. Uh, and we're in for a treat today because her enthusiasm is just so infectious, and I'm excited to see where this conversation is going to take us. So, Devin, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me, Kayla. I am so excited to be on Embodiment. Well, thank you. Yeah, I'm. Um, I am number one honored to have you on, uh, and just because I feel for a number of reasons, but also because I feel like we always are walking very similar paths. So I'm excited to get into today. So let's go ahead and dive right in. Uh, let's start off with, um, go ahead and tell us a little bit about your background and how you made your way into nutrition. Absolutely. So I am based out of North Dallas and my, uh, my family and I moved up here about six months ago and it's been quite a journey being in this space because living in Texas, life is just so different. Um, from a health perspective. So kind of bringing it full circle, um, growing up in Texas, I was really always surrounded by delicious Tex-Mex food. Um, a lot of just, you know, delicious sauces, queso for days, you know, give me a queso fountain. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then moving around the United States, living in California for a while, I really started to discover that my body really appreciated healthier foods. And uh, with that, I I found that I had a love for just purely natural foods. I wanted whole foods. Give me raw blueberries. Give me raw oats. Um, I love to cook. And so that really kind of went hand in hand with a whole new discovery in life of good food. 
as I got a little bit older, I found out that I was, uh, I had hypothyroidism and I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's thyroiditis. So when I discovered this, I dove into what I was eating. And at the time, I was actually already studying to become a certified holistic nutritionist. So the timing really couldn't have been better. Mm. And in that, I was able to kind of make myself patient zero and dive into my own health and give myself the opportunity to heal, um, not knowing what that was going to offer myself and the people in my family, as well as some of my friends. So I dove into my food and I realized that there were so many red flags that my body was giving me. I had so many symptoms that I just, I simply wasn't aware of. And I realized that if I was experiencing that, there were a, you know, a slew of other people that were going through the same thing, not realizing the impact that their food had on their diet. So after that, after I finished all of my training and certifications and tests and (laughs) the list goes on, uh, I started practicing. And I found that my love of cooking and my love of food and my love of healing uh, with what, you know, we can find in our everyday supermarket or in our backyard is really our best kind of course of action to heal ourselves and and it actually have longstanding circumstances. I don't want to cover up the symptoms. I want to get to that root source. Mm. Yeah. And I think that's huge because, I mean, especially if you're um, coming from an allopathic uh, medicine, right, where we are, you know, we treat the symptom and it's like mm-hmm. we're spot checking, right? Well, let's just get rid of this symptom without diving a little bit deeper. And to your point, we, in my opinion, there's not enough emphasis on nutrition or how food actually affects the body. And I know that both you and I believe that food is medicine and should be our first medicine. And there's so much, you know, that goes into the degradation of our food system now and our food supply, which maybe we'll end up going down that path. Um, But I'm so curious how, (laughs) I know we can get lost in conversation. Oh yeah, I'm here for it. (laughs) Um, I'm curious how like you started to, become a witness to your symptoms? Like how, how did you start to tune into that? Um, and becoming attuned to, or I guess, um, the, where, where do I want to go with this? Um, like how did you start to peel apart and, uh, discern like, okay, this symptom is trying to tell me something. Great question. So for me personally, what I started to notice kind of right off the bat when I started to really tune in and and listen to my body started more with like meditation and Mm -hmm. my own personal yoga practice where I was like, okay, maybe this joint hurts. Okay, maybe I'm feeling a little restless here. Um, It primarily started with realizing how inflamed I really was. Mm-hmm. That was such a huge trigger for me to say, oh, okay, there is something kind of going on here. Um, and I could go down this rabbit hole of birth control, but that was something that also was a big red flag for me, realizing that um, how connected everything was. And on that physical level, the inflammation that I was experiencing due to birth control, but also due to the uh, the foods I was eating that was causing the inflammation, whether it was um, my knees, right, or the headaches that I was experiencing or the lack of sleep mm-hmm. and um 
just noticing the inflammation first and foremost. And that actually came from, and I can say that I experienced the inflammation, but if you've always had it, you might not necessarily know that you're inflamed. Mm -hmm. So when I was going through, I was trying different things um, that I thought maybe would help me. And so a big one, and you're probably going to laugh because you're probably expecting it, uh, but was having and adding turmeric into my foods with a little Mm -hmm. bit of pepper. Um, Not very much. You don't need a lot for anyone that's listening. (laughs) Uh, No more than a quarter teaspoon a day. I was going to say, what's the dosage on that? A quarter teaspoon a day? Okay. Does it matter how much pepper is with it? Uh, no, it can it can literally only be like the tiniest of pinch, just like a little pinch, and you're good to go. Uh, so I was adding that into my coffee or my oatmeal, um, not mm-hmm. both, but one or the other, mm-hmm. and just having that and, and recognizing that after that, maybe I would go to yoga and maybe my back wouldn't hurt so much, mm-hmm. or things that I would do um, to dive into healing my thyroid or healing some of the aches and pains that I was experiencing not realizing that I didn't have to live that way. I wasn't getting older and I was only in my late 20s, so I really wasn't old at all. But realizing that those things I was experiencing actually are not normal Mm. and that I didn't have to take a medication, which uh, goes into my thyroid story. Um, I had just moved to Austin at that time and I was meeting with a doctor for the very first time. She asked me to do a blood panel And it was my first time meeting her after I'd already had that blood panel pulled. And she said, oh, well, you know, you do have hypothyroidism. So um, starting today, I'm going to send a prescription to your pharmacy um, for you to take this prescription. Uh, If you have hypothyroidism, you've probably been taking it or have taken it or heard of it. And um, they said, you're going to take this every day for the rest of your life. And if you don't, you're going to be fat, bald, and infertile. And there's nothing you can do about it other than take this pill. And I went, oh, no, I don't know you. And you're telling me (laughs) that my life is over and I'm just going to be just this spinster, this fat, bald spinster for the rest of my life. Uh, And there's nothing I can do about it. And that sense of helplessness Mm. was so profound that it actually just kind of ticked me off. Um, And thank goodness I was at a place in my life where I felt empowered enough to look into it. Um, and I always highly recommend that if anyone ever does say anything to that effect to you, please, please go get a second opinion. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Just, just please understand that you have options. Um, and I was able to take my power back. So between the inflammation that I was experiencing, the headaches that I was experiencing, um, it all kind of supercharged me to dive into myself, which I think is something that a lot of people don't feel empowered to do. I think we've always felt and been told that we're empowered to ask other people to do for us because we don't know for ourselves. You shouldn't trust yourself. You should trust me. Mm. Um, Yeah. And and that abdication of power is like, I mean, but when you're not aware that, that you have that you have choice, right. Or that Mm -hmm. you, you can, like, I think the biggest thing too, is like, find a second opinion, you know, like if it feels overwhelming and you don't know where to start at the very least, seek a second opinion, you know, like you're, there's so much power in, in our own health, in our own healing. And number one, like you're definitely a testament to that where you're like, I don't, I don't agree with this. And, you know, there's, there has to be another way. If not, I will find it, you know, like. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And I think that 
people don't know it. That's the most, that's the like hardest part about witnessing some of my clients and what they go through is that sometimes they've just met me at the grocery store or they met me through a friend of a friend and they're like, oh, well, I feel like I know you. So I feel like I can try something new. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they hadn't, and I, you know, and they hadn't known that there was another option, they never would have tried. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the biggest takeaway that I've received from not only witnessing you and your journey mm-hmm. um, and the people that we have met throughout this path of natural healing and just community, but that you can take your power back and you do have the own, you have your own tools. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are empowered to do for ourselves. And I think that is so beautiful. Even if it doesn't work, just knowing that you can try and that you can show up for yourself because no one will show up for you like you do. And I think that that took me further than I thought it would. Yeah. And I mean, healing comes in layers. So even if it doesn't quote unquote work and work in this way or whatever, like they're so for me and my journey, like things worked up until a certain point and then it was like, I plateaued. Okay. Then I had to course correct and, you know, find something else. So it's like, you know, if anything, what I think both you and I want to offer other people is that there is hope. Stay the course. Yes, absolutely. And, oh, and <laughs> like, <laughs> something, uh, is simply the fact that when I did educate myself enough on what I was going through and when I did finally educate myself enough on the foods that I was eating and the impact that they were having on my body like my body my mind and overall just the way that I felt about myself and the world around me I was able to show up differently in any appointment that I made with whether it was a naturopath or a a, you know a standard MD that I was able to show up differently in our conversations Mm. uh, and not go in with like just pure pure trust of what they were saying. I was able to actually show up and advocate for myself mm-hmm. and that empowerment. Oh my goodness. Does it change the game? So if, if I can offer my clients anything, it's, it's truly empowerment. I want you to walk with confidence into any meeting, any grocery store, into any kitchen and restaurant, knowing what you can offer yourself. Yeah. And you know, to me, sometimes it, well, not sometimes it is such a bummer when somebody kind of speaks over you, when you, when, when you are in that space and place where you feel like you don't really know like what's happening. And so of course you want to put trust in, in somebody who has quote unquote authority in this field. Uh, but to me, it's a bummer when somebody kind of, um, gives a diagnosis and without, permission that it could be different, right? Like you're stuck in this, this is your diagnosis. This is what you have to deal with for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And maybe that is so right. But to me, almost like when someone's like, oh, well it runs in the family, right? Diabetes runs in the family or heart disease runs oh. in the family, <laughs> you know, hypothyroid runs in the family. Sure. At this point, I no longer believe in such a thing. I, yes, I completely agree. And yeah. yes, I think, I think that whole, that whole notion just needs to be thrown out. Yeah. And I mean, how, how powerful is the mind? So if you're told that this is what's going to happen to you, what are the chances that that's, what's going to happen to you? Exactly. 
Well, and I think what it does when somebody says, oh, this is just what happens. This is part of your family lineage. Oh, it runs in the family. Then you just go, oh, okay. And you toss your hands up and you go, oh, okay. I guess this is just something I have to live with. Even if it's not something that you want, releasing the power of having anything to do with it, Mm. I think is what I think personally is something that people have become accustomed to being okay with. Yeah. I no longer have to take responsibility. Yeah. It's not my fault. I can't do anything about it. Yeah. Somebody else is going to do something about it. There is a pill for it. And it's like, oh, no. That's most – I would say I don't want don't, – I'm sure there's a percentage out there for this. It's statistic. But I would venture to say there's probably about 90 to 95% of the diseases that are that exist in today's society and culture, particularly here in America, that simply did not exist 100, 150 years ago. It mm-hmm. truly has to do with what we're putting in our food, the diets that we have, the lack of exercise, the quality of water, the quality of air that we breathe. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could go down that whole you know spiel for quite a while, but it's true. And so if we get back to the basics mm-hmm. and we take responsibility for the water, the air, the food, the quality of ingredients that we're putting in our bodies, oh my gosh, the turnaround that we would see. Right. Yeah. There's so much like the majority of diseases that exist today are are because of lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And if we, if we can understand the, how profound that is and how much control we actually have over that, that's where magic happens. That's where change happens. Right. But it also starts with education. Like we don't know what we don't know. So um, the responsibility on seeking it out and finding people who can support you in such a way is really, really important. And so to, to come back to, uh, food, I know we've been kind of like touching on it, um, in a roundabout way, but what you said earlier really stood out. And I believe it so wholeheartedly is that, you know, you don't understand how unwell you feel until you start feeling better. And a lot of that for me, at least really was the root of it or the start of my journey was around food and understanding like, Oh my gosh, like I don't have to feel that way. And for those that, that don't know myself or Devin personally, we used to live together. And as when I first started this, path myself, I was working with uh, a functional medicine and Chinese medicine practitioner. And the first appointment I had, we addressed uh, dairy allergy. And he gave me this antidote antidote to, to dairy. And I was not aware of how like swollen and inflamed, I guess I was. But as soon as I got home and Devin saw me, the like, it was like shock on her face. She was like, I didn't realize it. It didn't seem like you were swollen before, but there's no more swelling in your face. It went down. So, and we don't understand like how quickly food or things that we consume, ingest, we put on our body, how quickly that has a, a response, like our body responds to it. There's a physiological response to it. And it can happen, you know, when your body receives what it needs or it 
comes into contact with something that inflames it, your body responds immediately to it. So I'm so curious your experience with, you know, navigating food for yourself as you started to, you know, address your own health symptoms and yeah, what that kind of looked like for you. Um, Oh, absolutely. And just to go back to it, I will never forget that day that I walked in (laughs) to your apartment (laughs) and I saw you and I was like, oh, I I had no idea because, you know, you were always so lovely. I'd never seen you in any other way. And so within, I mean, I saw you like that morning and then I saw you that evening and you were a completely different person. And I was so just in shock, Um, not just simply because I didn't know myself that food could cause such inflammation and it could be so drastic if you gave yourself the right tools and you gave your body the right fuel to heal itself. Mm. So this magic potion (laughs) really kicked (laughs) off kind of both of us in in different ways um, on this health journey. So I actually have you to think for the majority (laughs) of what I have done. So thank you. And um, yeah, just so sorry. So to go back and answer your question, when it came to navigating foods, a lot of what was in the books that I was reading and a lot of what I was finding through my research and the videos that I was watching of these incredible doctors, um, these, these other naturopaths um, or holistic nutritionists or what have you, were foods uh, and herbs and supplements that I had just literally never heard of before. And I'm going, oh my goodness. And some of them were in uh, like very specific to Chinese medicine. So they were in pinyin. And I'm going, oh no, I don't know anything about that. <laughs> the different roots and things like that. But I'm like, oh, I didn't know that even existed. It's, in a, it's on a mountaintop uh, somewhere in Asia. And mm-hmm. it's like, flowers once a year or something like that. I'm like, oh my goodness. Um, So it's really about just making what work for you, what you can find either in your pantry or your seasonings cabinet right now, Mm -hmm. or things that you can find at your local grocery store, whether that is a Whole Foods or a Walmart. It doesn't matter if it exists there. It can cause a really beautiful reaction in your body if you're facing some adverse reactions, if you're facing some inflammation, if you're, you know, even a headache. So um, for example, I decided quite a while ago that I was going to stop taking NSAIDs altogether. And for those of you that don't know what NSAIDs are, I would venture to say that, you know, probably 99% of the population have NSAIDs in their cabinet. And that looks like things like Advil, Aleve, Ibuprofen, um, things that we've been told and taught are perfectly normal and fine to take and which if done appropriately is, of course, that's fine. Um, It's all about moderation and making sure that you're eating and drinking things appropriately before you take them. Um, however, I just found that I wanted to strengthen my body's ability to take care of itself Mm. instead of, you know, maybe I hurt my wrist in yoga that day, or maybe I woke up with a headache. Um, I wanted to give myself the opportunity to kind of test my own limits and boundaries of what I found to be useful and resourceful. Mm -hmm. So I did some digging around into my books and my uh, my little magic potion box of my own. And I use a little bit of, you know, this again, please consult your physician before you do anything that I mentioned to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but what I do myself is I take a little bit of glass of water with 
um, some ginger cayenne and honey if you feel the need. And I give it a good little, you know, stir and I pop it down. And within, I would say maybe 15 minutes, my headache's gone. Mm. And something like that takes no time at all. And um, there are no side effects. You don't have to worry about it affecting your liver. And in fact, it can strengthen your body in other ways. Mm-hmm. So it's things like that that I found to be really helpful and resourceful as I step through my own health journey. Um, because, you know, you may see other people that have come overcome these really great hurdles, but you don't necessarily see the progress and the challenges they might have faced or the different things that they tried out. Somebody might try that mixture that I mentioned and it might not work for them. And that's perfectly mm-hmm. fine. Um, but knowing that there are options out there. So when it came to my own healing, it was just about trial and error. Um, Mm -hmm. Going to the grocery store and picking up things that were in my herb book that I thought would be helpful um, and trying to find weird ways to integrate it into my foods. And it might taste a little funny. Maybe it tastes different than I used to make or a recipe that my mom made. I might alter it a little bit, which if she listens to this, I apologize. (laughs) 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 Um, But I did have to do things that made sense for me that ultimately healed me. Mm. So it made a big difference in the way that I was able to interact with my food, the way that I was able to interact with recipes and make them my own. Um, Yeah. So it's just about work. It's about making it work for you. It's not about anybody else, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I feel like that's such a huge takeaway as well, because it is about trial and error. There is no one size fits all, even though we try to, we try to do that, you know, and on some level, like it can, it can serve as like a, a general blueprint, you know, to help take you in a certain direction, but ultimately true healing and true health, in my opinion, is really catered to the individual or it should be. And that's personally what I love about, you know, Chinese medicine so much is it's, it's focus around that and nutrition should very much be the same way because what works for me will not work for you or even within a family, like, line, you know, like what works for my, my mother will likely not work for me. And the important part is to pay attention to the symptoms that you're having before and after, you know, like, were you feeling good before eating this meal? And then all of a sudden, did you get really lethargic afterwards? Or, you know, did you, did you notice a little rash that developed or, you know, or a cough afterwards, right? Like dairy is pretty notorious for creating like mucus and phlegm. So it's paying attention to those kinds of things, even if it seems minor, you know, or, Mm -hmm. you know, out of left field, you wouldn't really put too much thought into it, but it's so, it's so important to pay attention to those little things before it turns into something bigger where you start to develop digestive issues or truly like some dermatological issues. And yeah, that's the, to me, one of the important parts of any part of like health and healing, you know, is really to, to decipher and discern, you know, 
does this feel good to me? Does this not feel good to me? So I'm curious how much you feel like, um, testing is important for like food allergies and, in all of that. Do you find that it's important in your practice or do you feel like, you know, it's a combination between that and like symptoms or like how the person is feeling? What would you, what's your takeaway on that? Absolutely. What you mentioned earlier, I just thought of um, is the fact that whenever we discuss people's uh, you know, their diets, like, oh, okay, well, diabetes runs in my family, right? Heart attacks run in my family. And to kind of jump over to what we're talking about when it comes to um, allergies and things like that, not only is the quality of food something that we have a big problem with, but unfortunately what that also uh, is in alignment with are that diets run in families, right? Mm. Recipe books run in families. So where those recipes might be from 200 years ago, the quality of the ingredients mm. also mm. have changed. So that's one aspect of it. Um, you know, the quality of wheat, the quality of eggs, the quality of chicken. Oh, don't get me started on chicken. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> But what we are really diving into uh, with that is simply the fact that diet turn in families, right? It's that happy meal you had on the way home. It's that Subway sandwich you had before practice. It is, you know, it's not just, it's also not just, um, you know, fast food. It's also the foods, you know, like hamburger helper that we yeah. had at home, uh, the box mac and cheese, right? That blue box. There's a whole generation of people that don't even know what blue box is. That's okay. Um, <laughs> we won't judge them. We will not judge them. You are welcome here too. Um, so it's just part of it, you know. Um, but when it comes to allergies, I cannot tell you how important it is to test for food sensitivities and understand that overall what happens to our bodies when we grow up with these diets, right? You don't know that you have any kind of allergy until you get older. Mm -hmm. And what happens as you move into your, and it's different for men and women, so don't, don't quote me on the ages here, but I would venture to say when we get to about 28 years old, 27, 28 is women, um, our bodies are obviously changing, right? We are in a like kind of like peak fertility space. We are getting older. We're obviously a lot more mature so we're making different choices some uh some are some are not when it comes to like drinking and eating you know mm -hmm. that 2 a.m taquito from whataburger um or in and out, you know what have you <laughs> we still haven't been uh, oh you know it's it's fine <laughs> i haven't had whataburger since i was in college but uh it is <laughs> it is what it is it's a fast food burger joint but um, the taquitos were awesome, mm. just, just for anyone listening. Um, yeah, back in the day. Can't speak for them now. But uh, So when your body starts to – you're in your, like, peak stage at that point um, from a physical, like, a gut level, your body and your DNA will start to change to where you may start to notice those symptoms, right? Now you're having indigestion. You're having acid reflux. Mm. You're having heartburn. Um, that can be men or women, you know, maybe you can't drink those IPAs anymore. Maybe you can't, um, you, there are certain things that just bug your esophagus, right? You can't eat eggs anymore and you don't quite know what it is, but you keep eating them, you keep drinking it 
because it is what makes sense for you because uh, you don't know to change. You just think that it's like a one-off. Maybe you didn't sleep very well the night before. Maybe you had too much coffee. And um, so you keep doing it. You keep doing it. And these symptoms continue to um, – these symptoms just keep on happening and they get worse. And they become more inflamed. And now you're burning the bottom of your esophagus. Mm -hmm. And now maybe you're having trouble sleeping or you're having migraines and you don't quite know what's happening. Um, and it's because your body is starting to change and it's giving you these red flags and you just don't know necessarily what would be causing them. You just think it's chalked up to old age. Mm. Um, and what can happen to the gut if you continue to put things on top of it and in it that are not supposed to be there, that your body can't properly break down, uh, you can cause holes right? You can cause a lot of inflammation and it can really have long lasting effects that will be detrimental to your health as you get older to where you can't quite heal the same. So what I end up having are patients in their late twenties to, I would say, you know, early to mid thirties. Um, and that's exactly what they're going through. They don't understand what in the world happened. I used to be able to drink all that coffee black and I used to be able to eat those double bacon cheeseburgers. And I used to be able to drink those IPAs. Uh, and I don't quite know what happened. Mm. So we go back to the drawing board. And yes, I do think that testing is so very, very important because at least it gives you the opportunity to know what the heck is going on in our bodies. Mm -hmm. You know, I I can't tell you, uh, I, again, I don't want to go down the rabbit hole, but chicken uh, is the most commonly um, eaten meat in the United States. Mm-hmm. And I would say that on average, people probably have it anywhere between, what, four to six times a week, um, mm. various various things. That's not including eggs. That's just the chicken. Um, and that, unfortunately, what I've seen over the last couple of years is that there are a ton of people that have a chicken allergy. Mm. What? I know, right? Chicken and eggs. Um, the two together – holy smokes, do they cause a lot of problems. And a lot of people would never know because they love Chick-fil-A. Mm. They love their scrambled eggs. They love breakfast bowls. They love, you know, chicken fried steak or they like, you know, just a chicken breast, right? That's like the whole bulk up protein. Eat chicken with absolutely no seasoning on it with some rice and broccoli with no seasoning on it. Okay, great. Well, if your body's allergic to it, oh my goodness, the damage you're doing. Yeah. And also what she's also alluding to here is the quality of the food, right? So Absolutely. like chicken, chickens are eating chicken is not necessarily bad if you're, if you're getting it from a well-sourced place, because we have to remember that we are also what our food eats. So, Correct. you know, a little bit of like a question back to you is, um, do you feel like the development of these uh, allergies or the issues to chicken or eggs, because I see a lot with eggs, is mm. because of the food that the chickens are being fed, right? Food food that they probably wouldn't normally eat if they were out in the wild. 100%. So you're going to find more arsenic and dioxins in chicken than you're going to find in literally any other food. Mm. Um, which, what the heck? <laughs> Why yeah. is that in our food? <laughs> and it's, yeah, it's unfortunately, it's approved. Um, 
So quality is absolutely everything. I mean, you 100% nailed it. So thank you for kind of bringing that full circle. But yeah, quality is absolutely everything. So if I could recommend anything, and what I do recommend to my clients is if you're going to eat chicken, and I understand that if it's part of your diet, if it is like a staple in your diet, let's try to bring it down maybe two, three times a week instead of four to six. And please go for organic, non-GMO, um, free-range Happy, happy chickens. We want happy chickens. And if you can get local, oh my goodness, is that even better? Um, because really what goes into our food ultimately then goes into us. Mm-hmm. And our body is not capable of processing some of these things, which is then what causes these allergies. That is what is causing all of these red flags to go off. It's the inflammation. And we don't necessarily understand that connection. Mm-hmm. because we're not seeing the chicken when it's alive. We're not seeing what the chicken's eating. And then therefore we don't make the connection. Um, and unfortunately that has such drastic ramifications on our own health. So high quality, everything in, in, in the way of meat when it comes to organic um, vegetables and fruits, I would definitely go ahead and take a look at the, um, oh, it's, I'm blanking. It's called not the whole. <laughs> what is that called? Oh, forgive me. It's the um the top twenty four fruits and vegetables that are okay to eat organic or not okay to eat organic. Oh, the dirty you know dozen. Are you talking the about dirty that? Dirty dozen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not the twenty four. The dirty dozen. Um, and what's the other one? The dirty dozen and the clean have... fifteen. Yeah, clean fifteen. There you go. Mm-hmm. Teamwork. There we go. We got it. <laughs> High five. Air yeah. five. Um, and you can, you can just type that in, but I think the EWG.org has that lit those lists as well. So I guess I can link that in the show notes as well. Um, yeah. And you know, to, to what you were just saying, like the food, I mean, if you're, if you have it once, you know, and then you don't have it again for like a year. Okay. Right. Sometimes there's circumstances you can't really control and you can't really control what you're eating. And on some level too, like I have this conversation with different practitioners and in I'm like, is it better to not eat because of its poor quality or is it still better to eat because your body needs fuel and some kind of sustenance? Right. And that is such a great question because everybody is different. And that goes back to our health being personalized, our nutrition being personalized. Mm -hmm. What works for you might not work for somebody else and what works for them might not work for you. So it is about working. And and that's what I try to connect with my clients on the most is what can we do to get your most optimal health that's going to make sense for your diet, Mm -hmm. right? So I feel as though when somebody's really ill and they come to me and they say, okay, well, I'm all in. Let's go full board. Anything that I'm allergic to at all, I'm out. Um, mm-hmm. it's been thrown out of my pantry. It's been thrown out of my refrigerator. And then, so we start off really gung ho, right? We are trying new recipes. We're doing all this crazy stuff that, you know, they've never done before. And then after a couple of weeks, they, they're, you know, they, they're tired, right? Mm-hmm. Change is hard. And I think giving ourselves that grace and our ability to say, okay, well, you know what, maybe let's not knock. 20 things off of our grocery list. Let's go ahead and start with the ones that are the worst, the ones that we know that are causing the biggest problems. Let's start with just knocking those 
two or you know one two three items off first and then let's focus on what we can eat mm-hmm. and um it's about weighing the scales as to what will and will not work for you in your lifestyle right yeah. and like I said change is scary and that's okay, mm-hmm. but that's what I think we're all here for is to make sure that, you know, even if it is a little scary, you're not taking it by yourself. Yeah. Well, and also you want to make sure that it's sustainable and manageable because if you if you 100%. change too much all at once, like the the likelihood of falling off of this new regimen or pattern or behavior increases by a lot. So and, you know, like healing for, you know, the type A person that I am, like, of course I want to do it all at once, but, mm-hmm. you know, I'm probably doing myself a disservice if I try to do it all at once, because if I do everything all at once, I won't actually know what's working and what's not working. Right. Absolutely. And I think that's something that I've found done or mentioned by many, many doctors is you do the quote, quote, elimination diet, right? You just basically eat like lettuce and that's it (laughs) for like a month. So you can see once you start integrating things back into your diet, what that looks like. Well, that's actually, you know, that might work for some, but definitely not for all. And what I think that would end up doing is causing a lot of frustration, uh, hanger, because that is 100% a thing. Um, And then just overall displeasement with how you're feeling. So you're feeling even worse than you did when you started. And, you know, we want to set you up for success and we want to make it fun. So that's one of my favorite things to do is create recipes for people, um, custom recipes for people that are, that fit their diet, that fit their needs, that fit what they want for themselves um, and make them taste really freaking good. Mm. That's the best part. Eating is supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be just yummy. So what's the fun of it if you're eating cardboard every day? Mm. Nobody wants that. Or yeah. at least nobody nobody really wants that. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, some resistance also to change or when it comes to like diet and nutrition is, is people feel like, you know, n- nutrition isn't delicious. It doesn't taste good, you know? So people have a hard time. Like I literally, and I'm curious what you feel are like, um, what you've encountered or what you've seen with, with your clients as far as like different forms of resistance to change. Um, but I literally just cook with the simplest of things, you know, and that's, for whatever reason, you know, it could be salt, pepper, garlic. I cook a lot with, um, ghee or grass fed butter and it feels, or it tastes so like rich, you know, with very little. And maybe that's because I'm adding a little dash of love in there maybe, but you know what I mean? That's a hundred percent it. Um, so I, yes, I could not agree more with what you just mentioned when it comes to cooking, it is really actually the best part about uh, about it all is, is its simplicity. It doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be hard. You don't have to be a five-star, you know, or rather a Michelin star chef in order to be eating really well uh, or for it to taste good. 
And I think that's what I've come in contact with quite a bit is that people simply don't know how to cook the simpler items. They know how to, um, and this is just over, this is overall, a lot of people just know how to like pop veggie, frozen veggies in the microwave. They know how to cook that box of blue box uh, of, um, you know, macaroni and cheese. And when it comes to actually bringing ingredients together, they simply don't know how to do that. And that's fine. That just simply comes from the era and culture that we live in, uh, in America today. Everything comes in a packet. Um, so making it approachable, making it delicious is very easy. And again, it's, it's the simple ingredients. It's the simple seasonings. Um, it doesn't have to be hard. And so with the food, especially when it comes to sweets, for example, you can take a bite of maybe chocolate, right? You can have a little bit of chocolate. Who doesn't love chocolate? For breakfast, uh, and then, daily. Yes. <laughs> um, and then, you know, you can take a bite of apple, and that apple is not going to taste as sweet mm-hmm. as it did bef- if you had taken the bite before you had the chocolate. Yeah. And so that same kind of concept goes with a Coke, right? Mm. So maybe a Coca-Cola and then you have an apple, maybe not chocolate. Chocolate, you know, it's too good for that uh, comment. Excuse me. Um, I love me some dark chocolate. Mm -hmm. So if you have something that's heavily processed, that has a lot of sugar, and then you do take that bite uh, of apple, it's not going to be as good. So giving yourself that free, that free ride and that ability to have that whole food as it's meant to be. Mm-hmm. I went to a restaurant with my parents a couple weeks ago and I ordered, uh, I ordered it was like fresh berry yogurt or something like that. And I was like, oh, okay, great. So I'm thinking, cause it says on there, fresh berries, yogurt, granola. And I'm like, okay, sure. We're out. Let's just go for it. And it arrived and they had put this like heavily processed raspberry syrup all over the yogurt. And I'm like, oh, no. why on earth would you, would you do that? So, uh, and I'm never that person, but I was like, oh, can I, can I please get it without the syrup? Cause I asked, I was like, you know, did you make it in house? Is this made with fresh raspberries? And she goes, no. And she holds up this bottle of raspberry syrup. And of course it has like red number five in it and has high fructose corn syrup in it. It has corn. I just, oh my goodness. And I'm like, why on earth, why on earth would you do that to this yogurt and this granola and this berry um Mm. it was perfect as is I mean honey for sure go for it but I just feel like if you give yourself the opportunity to have the fresh ingredients prior to dousing it uh in everything else process wise if you just really try to go with a whole foods diet you could really just have the most amazing experience and that's another thing I really like to do again is just show people how good whole foods can be, how simple mm. it can be. Mm. It's like a charcuterie board, right? You have like a fresh piece of apple, some like local cheese. You have a really nice crisp cracker. Maybe you make the crackers yourself mm. with a little bit of honey and like, holy smokes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I would take that over a burger any day. Perfection. Mm. Mm. Yum. I'm getting hungry. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I guess with like, Number one, working working with your clients, have, what are some of the biggest factors, I guess, that you've seen prevent people from changing their habits? Um, and how, how do you approach, uh, how do we start to 
as a collective, right, start to make nutrition a little more approachable or, or digestible? Like where would, where would someone, how would someone get started and make it sustainable? I, we kind of alluded to it by doing little changes. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm curious your, your approach. So for the most part, what I do with my clients when I work with them one-on-one, we're all in, right? Everything is good. They are, they want to be there. They're showing up. Mm-hmm. It's their time, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. it's also their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, very rarely, uh, I can really only think of two instances where I've had a client whose family wasn't supportive of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't the whole family. It was just one person. And this is just one particular case that I'm, I'm thinking of, but there was one person in their family that was just really unsupportive of them. And what I realized and what I had to share with them is simply they, you are basically holding up a mirror to them because they don't want to change. Mm. And you changing is now forcing their hand and is making them consider their choices and they're not ready for that. Yeah. So you're challenging them. Mm, that's and huge. It is huge. Um, it is also hard because the way that it made my client feel was so, forgive me, but it was so crappy Mm -hmm. because then she didn't want to take those steps forward any further, or she wanted to still have the meal with this family member. So she wouldn't get, from my opinion, she wouldn't get basically harassed. Um, But then she was like, well, then I'm going to double down and eat all these other good foods. And unfortunately, that's not how it works. Because Mm -hmm. if you're still causing inflammation in the body, if you're still causing it to be sick, then it doesn't really matter um, if you eat double, if you double down on all the good stuff afterward, if you're still consuming these foods that are causing you illness, then it doesn't doesn't really matter. Um, And that conversation is hard. And obviously, that's between, you know, them. And I can do nothing but support so if ever you do find yourself in a position where you are ready to change and you're not really sure if people are going to be supportive, I would say 99% of the time your family is going to be 100% on board with you because they want to see you thrive. Yeah. And if ever you are, if you have a partner, if you have a family member, um, if you have a coworker that's just giving you a hard time, then they, you know, just from my opinion, they don't really have a space there uh, or maybe you know, that would be an opportunity for you to kind of branch out and say, Hey, do you want to try this with me? Mm. You don't want to be excluded. Um, so that's one instance. And then in the other, everyone was always so supportive of this person, of, of my client. Um, it was just more of being rather, a picky eater. <laughs> mm. They didn't necessarily want. They were they were up for getting healthy. They were up for gaining more control and knowledge about what was going into their body. But when it actually came to changing, oh my, you know they they really weren't they really weren't there for that. They wanted it to just kind of happen. Um, and it takes work, and it takes persistence, and it takes confidence. Um, And so, you know, that took time and it took us finding different recipes that would work and it took different flavor profiles and kind of coming to an understanding that it wasn't going to be perfect, Mm. um, but still recognizing the benefits of these choices and changes that were being made. 
And once they started to see the changes, everything kind of did unravel naturally and we ended up finding a better solution. But that took a lot of conversation, a lot of mental check-in, right? Because if you ever get to a place of just helplessness, if you feel like you don't have an option, um, because all of the foods that you've typically eaten have been taken away from you, um, I never want to be the bad guy. Mm, <laughs> um, you're not. If, <laughs> well, I mean, it can, it can seem like it if I'm like, oh, you know, please don't eat that anymore. <laughs> um, but ultimately, it's your health. And, you know, I want to empower people to make those changes. And so um, when, it all, when it all shimmied down, it all worked out. And that's okay. It just takes time. And it takes making sure that mentally we're in the same place together. Because that's, that's ultimately my role is simply to support you. We're a team. So as yeah. long as we're on the same page and we can support one another and make sure we're both on the same page, and it's, it's glorious. Yeah. And I think it's important for the the client or the patient to um, be clear on, on their goals, right? A hundred percent. So I feel it, that that makes like a really big difference there um, because number one, it puts the responsibility back on on the individual, right? Because how do we track progress, right? How do we, how do we, it, it makes the other person more aware of where they're at in their own healing journey and in their own process. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and I think that that's the biggest thing like to me and, you know, the, and the reason why I call I've called this podcast embodiment is because the the process of healing, even on a physical level, it really boils down to how in tune we are with ourselves and what's in and out of alignment to our most authentic and highest self. And it's this practice of awareness that comes with it. And the nutrition, that's not separate from that, you know. But it's really the responsibility, almost bringing this full circle to where we started, is the responsibility really rely, um, comes back to the individual person. So having that type of a relationship with any kind of practitioner becomes really, really important. So number one, the uh, expectations and the goals are clear between the two. And how do we develop a treatment plan for you to move from point A to B and then maybe from B to C. And that to me is where so much power uh, and, and authority over the self, right? This, this sovereign place comes into play. And to me, that's like the biggest goal. So, you know, and I'd love to hear your own like, professional like goal and mission with with what you're doing uh with holistic nutrition um in your company absolutely so with um just to like follow up with what you were just mentioning and uh to also kind of piggyback off of my my client that was having a bit of a hard time at the beginning I think that we live in an age of um instant gratification Mm. right we expect uh, instant results to immediately see it go from red to green. 
and it takes time and uh, it takes persistence. And that, that is, I think, one of the biggest takeaways that my clients end up getting from our meetings. I'm sure the same for you, the fact that you were able to get that magic potion and your swelling went away right away. That is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately with food, <laughs> unless you have that magic potion on hand, which unfortunately I do not, um, <laughs> it does, it does take some time and it takes being easy and gentle with yourself and giving yourself that grace. Uh, so when it does come to my own personal goals, I think it's keeping that in mind <laughs> as I move through uh, my own journey, my own health, as our bodies continue to change, the things that we learn about food, what's in them, and how they interact with our bodies is constantly changing. We are constantly learning new information um, about what, you know, what helps the body, what strips these nutrients or sub, um, supplements from our bodies, how can we change um, what are different things that we can do to interact with ourselves mentally? Because it is a mental game. Mm. The addictions that we experience, whether it's through sugar um, or the way that we might feel about ourselves, it does stem from a mental place. So when we do interact with the world, we interact with our food, it has to be very much the same. We have to come mm. at it from a gentle place. We have to come at it with love and compassion and that comes from knowing ourselves. And so we can absolutely discuss like, oh, you know, well, I felt this thing in my shoulder and I was like, oh, I wonder if it was that pork chop. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but when we have that moment, it's because we know that our shoulder didn't hurt before. Yeah. Blame so, it on the pork chop always. That dang pork chop. <laughs> um, <laughs> so when we do move through that space, it comes from knowing ourselves and showing up mentally each day aware of how we slept did we get enough sleep? Did we drink enough water? Are we drinking too much caffeine? Are we using a different creamer? Um, did we clean the air ducts in our house? I mean, everything is so connected, just like our bodies and our systems. Everything is so connected, as is the world. We're all so connected. So it's, it's what I want to embody myself is grace and compassion for myself and also for my clients because I think when my clients see me I want them to understand that I'm imparting that to them as well I'm giving them permission to give themselves grace Mm. and I think that is huge is is the ability to say hey I am moving through something right now and it's going to take a minute and I'm okay with being not okay because I'm working on it Mm. um that hope that we mentioned earlier it's just the same. We have to give ourselves the ability to be hopeful. Mm-hmm. We have to give ourselves the permission to be not okay and okay. Mm-hmm. And I want to give, I want to offer people that the goals for my business. Oh my goodness. If I could just share, if I could scream from the rooftops, what I know about the foods that we eat and the water we drink or, um, you know, the toothpaste we use, um, it would really change, I think, so much of what people purchase. You know, their dollar is their vote. Um, Mm. The way that they interact with their family members, they Mm. can empower their family. And ultimately, we can all show up differently in the world. Um, And I understand that what we do is probably really unpopular (laughs) to the the global scale. Um, but I think it's so important. I think it's so important because we remind people of what we can offer. 
mm. uh, each other by offering it to ourselves first. And that's mm. knowledge. So yeah, yeah. That's, that's the goal for my business. And the name of my business is Bold Love. Um, I know it sounds a little funny on uh, this podcast, but it's B-O-W-L-E-D, love, like a bowl of love, like a big old bowl of soup, which is my favorite thing. Um, so boldlove.com <laughs> is where you'll find all of my little tips and tricks and things to consider. But I, I just, yeah, I just want to give people that. Well, one, I also feel like it offers people freedom in, in their freedom and yeah. flexibility going forward, right? When when you Volunteer. are equipped yes. with knowledge, you there's there's a sense of freedom that comes with the responsibility of knowing. Absolutely. And you can't go back. You, you cannot can never go back. Once you know, you can't unknow it. Yes. And I will say, like, it sounds similar to, to you and your path, too. It's like, it was the, the food industry that woke me up to my potential and how much I, I felt like there was an injustice in the system, still believe it to be so, um, but that you can operate within and out of the system, right? There's a, a, a choice, right? You can choose, okay, look, maybe I'm going to step into the system and, you know, whatever here, but I'm going to choose to operate outside of it as much as I can, right? And that's where freedom comes. And I think if anything, right, my, my personal mission as well is to offer people freedom on the other side of that system, right? Like you do not, I love, I just got chilled. (laughs) (laughs) You do not have to be dependent upon any system. Right. And yeah, it might take, you know, some time to learn about it and finding the right people to help guide you in, in that direction. But if that is what you seek, it is possible. Completely agree. Can confirm 100%. Yes. <laughs> and, and the journey is so worth it, in my opinion, right? It's Oh, I could not agree more. I cannot imagine my life, especially living back in Texas, uh, with the lifestyle that comes with living here. And trust me, I mean, is it a delicious one? Oh, uh, 100%. Mm. Yeah. Uh, all the barbecue, all the Tex-Mex, all the saucy, delicious goodness that comes with living in, in Texas. But with my eyes as open as they are, I don't think that I would be as happy because I wouldn't feel as good as I do if I wasn't as aware. Mm-hmm. And now what I can offer the people that uh, that live in my town is that knowledge. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, there is nothing like what we're discussing here. Mm-hmm. Um uh, and I offer whole foods, <laughs> whole grains, whole, you know, good, high quality meats. We are so fortunate um, in my town to have a market that's only open twice a week. And they only offer farm fresh, locally grown, like local to our county, um, mm. fruits, vegetables, cheeses, and meats. Yeah. And so that is amazing. Not everyone is as fortunate as to have a, an event like that every week. But having that and then sharing with the people in this town that those are things that are available to you 
It completely changes the game. And that's available to everybody. Go to your farmer's market. Saturday mornings, oh my gosh, wake up, have a good stretch, have a little bit of caffeine if that's what you need to get your day perky. And then you just take off right into the sunrise with your farmer's market basket and you embrace the day. And then you know what? You make something that only can be found at your local store. Mm. How fun is that? That's me. That's me being romantic because that's the stuff that I like to do on Saturday mornings is, you know, you, you come home with your food and you can make something that maybe you've never made before. Maybe you bought something that you've never heard of before, like a gugutza. Yeah. What is Have that? you ever heard of a gugutza? No, tell me more. <laughs> It is like a tomatoey, like really long, delicious looking. It's like a. Uh, is that German? Just look it up. No, it's Italian. Italian. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it's like a tomato meets an eggplant, Ooh. but like a squash. Then it's really, it's like three feet long. Anyway, you can do all kinds of fun stuff with it. And um, just have fun, explore. Like I said, food is supposed to be fun. And I think that's the that's one of the beauties of it is that it is this infinitely creative mm. space that's mm. never – like I just the redundancy of life these days. I'm like, give me something sparky. And then I go to the farmer's market and then there it is. Yeah. A little bit of spark. And should we all not romanticize our lives, you know, in some way? In some way. I feel like it's it's the magic of what makes this life so good. That makes it taste so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's nothing like when you cook a meal for your, like when you carve out the time to actually like cook a meal for yourself or for others, like it does simply just taste different. It tastes better. There's something yeah. that's there. Um, I'm curious if, you know, through your own practice and through your own healing journey, have you noticed that with a certain level of healing, if, if it's possible to perhaps reintegrate some things back into your diet? Um, obviously, you know, I still believe quality is very important, but have you, have you noticed it um, personally? Yes. So, um, and I'm just, Strictly speaking for myself, um, with some of the allergy tests that I've done, the food allergies specifically, um, I had a mild egg allergy and uh, because of my thyroid, I cut out gluten um, completely. And through doing that, along with various other things, I was able to heal my thyroid. And now, you know, after that was after six months, I was able to gain that health, which is amazing. And I think it's simply because I was able to catch it early on. Mm-hmm. Um, healing is, I think, uh, a, you know, it's available at any point. Um, but for, for me, what I found is that I gluten was something that I obviously shouldn't be eating because it does have such a strong correlation to the thyroid. But what I found is that I love sourdough. <laughs> oh, so much. And that fermented yeast, I was here for it. So I found a local, it's at that market I was mentioning before, but they have a, um, a local sourdough that they make and the wheat is local. And I went, okay, so I ate it and I did not have any issues. 
and I, my numbers are still the same. Um, you know, no more processed breads, but this local bread, and can I tell you, it is heavenly. Mm. They also make this like jalapeno sour. Oh my goodness. I love, I live for it. I live for it. And then same thing with eggs. I found eggs, um, that I get from a lady on the street (laughs) and they're also cheaper. It's like a dozen eggs for like four bucks, uh, which if you try to go get like, you know, local, non-GMO organic eggs from the grocery store, you're spending like $8. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, $4 for a dozen of local happy chicken eggs. Um, I'm here for that. And again, I have not experienced any inflammation, um, but those are things that I needed to give my body the opportunity to heal completely before I reintroduced those things. Because again, the, the lining of my gut my thyroid, if you switch from eating something not so good into something better, your body might heal a little bit, but if it, it, you know, it's still going to hurt a little bit Mm. and you have to allow it to heal completely before you bring those things back in. Um, And that's just my opinion. Mm -hmm. But if, if you have that, you know, say you have the lining of your gut and you do have an ulcer or say you do have um, damage there, it's going to take longer for it to heal if you just improve the quality of the ingredient before letting it completely heal. Mm -hmm. So that's just my two cents. That's what I have found. Um, You have to give your, you have to give your body a chance. Mm -hmm. And then once it's healed, if you want to try reintroducing them, then I mean, I'm all here for it. I'm here to support you. Yeah. Well, there's something to be said about the fermentation process, right? Because as I started to reincorporate foods back in, it was fermented foods or foods that, you know, were, didn't go through some kind of a, you know, process to be able to make the shelf life longer, you know, (laughs) like, exactly. so like, uh, how little have, have humans touched this product and perhaps you go there, you know, like such a great question. So that, but that's, that's how I now start to navigate food is one, is it fermented? Um, two, how little processing or how little have humans actually touched this? Um, and that probably means that the quality is higher. Um, and perhaps more nutrient dense, right? Because if it goes through some kind of a chemical process, then we're stripping away the, the nutrient value. Um, and right now I'm speaking specifically about dairy, but, um, and you know, with gluten, like a large part of the, um, destruction, right. Of our Mm. GI tract is because of the chemicals that we put in our food and one being glyphosate. And I know that there's a big push against, uh, or for banning the use of glyphosate. And, um, I know now that Bayer is, they have offered to move away from glyphosate, which then begs the question as to, okay, well, what other chemical are you now going to be using? Because it's, um, they can no longer make money off of it. Right. Um, so, you know, anyways, uh, theories that we could probably spiral down. 
Yeah. <laughs> yep. I know. I just recently heard a theory that, uh, you know, there's been like this big push over the last, I would say, what, five or so years to get away from BPA. Yeah. Right? The plastics. Yeah. Um, but that there are so many plastics companies, whether it's, you know, Glade making their Tupperware or water bottles, um, that they're like, oh, yeah, this is all BPA free because there is actually a chemical that's so much worse then BPA that they're using instead mm-hmm. um, because they, you know, they still want to make their money. Um, so, of course, this is all theory. This is all hypothetical. This is all just, you know, run-of-the-mill conversation. Um, but it is curious to see what they will replace it with because very rarely will you see a company um, make a stance against what they've already been doing you know, take that slap on their wrist and move forward and make something better. There is such a a big push already um, and such confusion around the topic of, you know, cereals, for example, right? Companies like General Mills or Kellogg's, they'll make two different types of the exact same cereal, one uh, for the United States and one for the rest of the world because the rest of the world doesn't allow certain chemicals and dyes in their cereals. Mm. Um, so they'll literally make, they're literally making two different types of cereal with the exact same name. Yeah. Uh, why wouldn't it, doesn't it just make sense to you that we would make the same cereal just throughout? Right. <laughs> why would we go through the process of like different marketing, different colors, yeah. different processes? Um, but it's because it's so much cheaper for them to use these chemicals than just make one whole big batch of something better for you. So uh, please read the ingredients on the back of your boxes, people. Please know what's in your food. And if you're mm. not sure as to how to read those, um, I'm pretty sure, Kayla, don't you have it on your website, like how to kind of break down these labels? Uh, yeah, I have a couple of different, well, not necessarily for chemicals, um, but... Just ingredient list. For ingredients, yeah, because there's hidden words yeah. for gluten and dairy. And even if it says dairy-free or gluten-free, I've encountered products that are not truly so. And so, yeah. you know, it, you know, behooves the, the consumer to do a little bit of homework up front. And yeah, like I remember when I first started that journey, um, I I felt overwhelmed with trying to like, it would take me like twice as long in the grocery store because I would have to sit there and like read. I'm like, okay, comparing this list of ingredients to the list on the back of the food. And, but once you figure out like, you know, safe brands, doesn't mean that they won't change their, their ingredients later on, but at least you feel like you can, you, you know where to turn and what label or what products you can trust at least right now. Um, so I'll actually go ahead and link that in the show notes as well. Um, are the different food lists that you guys can download for free on my website. Um, but yeah, I mean, if there's something on there on, on the label that you feel like you can't pronounce or it has a number to it, maybe question, just do a quick Google search, Mm. right? Like that. Polysorbate 80. Yeah. Why is that on all the foods? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Please, please look into what natural flavors are also. Just go ahead and just, <laughs> it's actually really hard to find information about natural flavors. Did you know that? Of, uh, I did not, but that doesn't surprise me. 
it is it is um it is impossible to find information. I've like done so much digging and like I can find little bits of information about what exactly natural flavors are. And of course it depends on the, on the uh, food product, mm-hmm. but natural flavors are in absolutely everything. And if I told you what some nat- quote natural flavors are, oh my goodness, you would be beside yourself. Mm. Um, just as an example, <laughs> Oh, I can't! I can't believe I'm going to say this on a podcast. But it's important. You should look these. You should look these things up. Um, so, in certain instant oatmeal packets, just to just throw out, you know, variety here. Um, there are sometimes small pieces of quote quote fruit uh, in your in your cereal in your hot cereal, and sometimes those small pieces of fruit are actually um beaver anal gland that they have taken stripped down (laughs) dried out rehydrated and cut into these little pieces and given them flavors and so uh uh-huh so (laughs) you you wouldn't know yeah uh and And you think that you're eating fruit wow what deception wow Uh uh-huh and Whoever decided that, that is the strangest thing one could possibly do. Right. Well, I mean, like, imagine that connection. You're like, you know what this needs? <laughs> oh, gosh. You know what real good right now? Yeah. But <laughs> it, it, it's those it's those things. But it, it And it sounds kind of scary, too. But really, when you know, you know. And you can make and better you decisions. Can't unsee it. Yeah. But you can start to make better decisions for yourself. After you've just heard what I said, you will never look at instant hot oatmeal packets the same. And you're welcome. Yeah. And you're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, coming back to like reintroducing foods, it's really important that you are supporting yourself not only by eating foods that uh, are not inflammatory to you, right? And that is a process Mm. and it's important to not only pay attention to your own physical symptoms um, and how you're feeling, but working with someone who like Devin, who's well-researched and and knows what she's talking about, right? To help guide you um, through that healing process. But it, it's also important uh, in other ways, right, to support your system, whether that be through supplementation or by taking like a humic or a fulvic acid, right, which can help on so many different levels there. Um, and I can also, you know, link a few suggestions there as well um, in the show notes for for good products there. But um, yeah. well, and quality is so important there too. Quality yeah. of the supplements you take, quality in the tinctures you choose, mm. um, and that takes time. You know, unfortunately, I'm sure we all do quite a bit of shopping on Amazon. Yeah, <laughs> I take responsibility for uh, a good chunk of their profits this year. Yes, <laughs> um, and I have had to do my research there and just making sure that the things that I'm purchasing for myself or the things that I suggest to my clients are actually quality because uh, the thing when you do any type of online shopping is you don't 100% know if they're being truthful mm-hmm. and you don't necessarily know if what you're getting is what they are, uh, what they're selling. Yeah. So, and fillers. Rep- 
and all the fillers, absolutely not. Um, reputable, a reputable source with high quality proven uh, ingredients is so important. So important. And, you know, speaking of quality too, uh, it's so important to, you know, like we've been alluding to all, all of this podcast is quality of your food. And so, uh, finding local farms and there's some communities that are, you know, uh, I feel like have more options or it's a little more available in places that are a little more urban. You, I mean, there's the farmer's markets, but like, can you actually build a relationship with that farm? You know, can you, Mm. are there other like organic or regenerative farms in the areas? And there's some like, I know uh, a mutual friend of ours out in Tennessee, right? She belongs to a local farm share, right? We don't have that here in San Diego, but is that something that you have access to where you live? Um, Or there's apps out there where you can, one of them is called Farmish. uh, And you can Google or you Google. I love how I used Google as the term for search. Um, (laughs) You can, I think that's when you know they, that they've made it, when you're starting to use them as a verb. As, yes. <laughs> um, you can search through their app uh, for local farms where you can basically build um, relationships with. Can you start to develop a one-on-one relationship? And not only that, but it draws you closer together uh, or b- connects you to your food and your food source more when you can have that relationship with the farmer and know what's happening with your food. And back to your point of your dollar is your vote. If we start doing that, can we actually start to change the demand and the industry? Mm. And I mean, that's how we do it. We do it with our money. So would, you know, would monocropping or big factory farming start to dissipate and go back towards the local farms, smaller farms, and give them more of a chance And then does organic start to become cheaper because there's more of a demand for it. There's more of it, yada, yada. Like the, the trickle down effect can be very profound if we understand that it is through our choices and it's through our responsibility and our choices that we can actually make a genuine change in, in industries, in big industries, right? Where it feels like we can't flip the system. Exactly. And I, um, I could not agree more. And I think that also stems from this saying, and you know, I, I know you love my sayings. I do. Um, but, I'm curious uh, what this one want, is. Oh, it's, I mean, it's one everybody's heard. So, um, but it's, if you want to change the world, you have to change yourself, right? Yeah. Start with yourself mm-hmm. and that you start with your, you start with yourself, you start with your family, you start with your community, and then you can completely change the pendulum. You can, you have such a huge ripple effect through your power and your choices. And that also stems from the very beginning of our conversation with knowing that you have a choice. Mm-hmm. You have a choice with what you eat, with where you spend your money, where you spend your time, all of it. It's so very connected. And knowing that with that choice, the power that you have, how powerful you are, oh my, mm. the impact that you're supposed to have on this world. Yeah. But remembering that it starts with you. You are the first domino, mm. right? Absolutely. I love that. 
Well, I feel like that's a kind of a wonderful place to, to pin this conversation. Although I feel like I'll probably have you on infinite more times because I'm like, we're probably just going to have to have one episode dedicated to the chicken industry. <laughs> and then perhaps another oh. one to like red number five. Um, but I'd love for you to share. I'm here for it. Yeah. I mean, yes, we could get lost in that. Um, but I'd love for you to tell us, uh, what offerings you have for, for your clients. How do you work with patient or yeah, patients, clients, um, and where we can find out more about you and the work that you're doing in this world. Absolutely. So you can find me at boldlove.com. That's B-O-W-L-E-D-L-O-V-E.com. And um, I'm located in North Dallas, though I have clients um, currently all over. uh, I have several clients in Texas and I have a couple clients in California. So I do work virtually with my my clients as well. And um, what I'm offering right now for the most part is uh, just really cater to whatever it is that you need. Some people don't know how to um, cook. And so I offer basically a virtual uh, online cooking class where we can go through what it is that you would like to learn how to cook. Um, I offer those one-on-one sessions where we basically go through, we kind of comb through your life. What do you eat? What do you drink? What deodorant do you use? And let's see if we can make some changes because they all do have an impact on the body Mm -hmm. and the systems and how they interact with the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. Um, So we do that and I make shopping lists. I love creating a good recipe. It's like a challenge. It's fun. And then I get to make it. And if it's good, I send it to you. And if it's not, then I pretend like I never did it. Nobody will know. Um, I don't feel like my I've, dogs will find out. But yeah, I was like, I don't feel like I've ever come across anything that you've made that wasn't delicious. So, Oh, well, my poor husband would probably tell you different, but <laughs> he, he's still alive. He's still here and he'll, he'll still try my stuff. So it's edible, but nonetheless, um, that's what I offer my, my services at this moment in time. I'm sure they'll change a little bit. One of the things I used to love doing is uh, taking a client to the grocery store where we walk through the fruits and veggies section. I talk to you about the difference between these grape tomatoes or maybe an heirloom tomato. And uh, what the differences are and how we can create this amazing dish. Um, I want you to fall in love with food. And so if I can personally show you my love for it, I hope it is infectious and you find that love too. Mm, I love that. And your enthusiasm for cooking and nutrition is definitely infectious. It's definitely changed how I um, view you know, food and showing up in, in joy with it. Right. Because it, I mean, it is how we heal and fuel ourselves and how we carry ourselves through the rest of the day. So thank you so much for your light and everything that you offer and, and do. Like, I know that I feel, I always feel your energy, even though we're States apart. And, um, I know that everyone listening will feel, will feel the same. Oh, well, I appreciate it. And you know, that is always the secret ingredient to any recipe, any good friendship and any great day is just a little bit of love. Mm, I agree.
Well, it's been an honor and I know that we will do this again probably soon. Yeah. Perfect. I can't wait. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you.